You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is the reading of uh, Collected Works Volume 266, the third volume in that series, I guess we'd call it Part 3. It's entitled Esoteric Lessons. Uh, They were given in 1913 and 1914, and then again uh, from 1920 to 1923. These are not, uh, except for the meditation verses by Rudolf Steiner, these are not direct stenographical reports of Steiner. They are, as it were, notes written from memory by the participants. This is uh, translated by Marsha Post. And we will begin with uh, part one, Notes of the Esoteric Lessons, 1913 to 1914, written from memory by the participants, and I will read this up to page 42 in the first section. This first part is meditation verses used repeatedly in the Esoteric Lessons from 1913 to 1914. Verses directed to the spirit of the day. Meditations for understanding the time nature of the hierarchies. Friday evening for Saturday, Saturn. Great encompassing spirit, who filled infinite space, when of my bodily members none was yet present, you were. I lift up my soul to you, I was in you. I was part of your force. You sent forth your forces, and the earth's primal beginning mirrored the first archetype of my bodily form. In your outflowing forces, I myself was. You were. My archetype beheld you. It gazed on me. I, who was a part of you, you were. Saturday evening for Sunday, Sun. Great encompassing spirit, many archetypes spring from your life. When my life forces were not yet present, you were. I raise my soul to you, I was in you. I was part of your forces. You united with the earth's primal beginning, with the living sun, and gave me the force of life. In your radiating life forces, I myself was. You were. My life force radiated in yours, in space. My body began its becoming In time, you were. Monday evening for Tuesday, Mars. Great encompassing spirit, cognition lived in your perceptive feeling sensations when cognition was not yet given to me. You were. I raise my soul to you. I drew into my body. I lived in my perceptive feeling sensations. You were in the living sun. In my perceptive feeling sensation, your being lived as my being. My soul life was outside your life. You were. My soul felt her being in herself. Yearning arose in her, the yearning for you out of whom she came. You were. Tuesday evening for Wednesday, Mercury. Great encompassing spirit, in cognition of your being is world cognition which will come to me. You are. 
I will unite my soul with you. May your cognizing leader light my path. Feeling your leader, I pass through the path of life. Your leader is in the living sun. He lives in my yearning. I will take up his being in mine. You are. May my force take up the leader's force in itself. Blessedness draws into me. The blessedness in which the soul finds the spirit. You are. Wednesday evening for Thursday, Jupiter. Great encompassing spirit, the earth's life streams in your light. My life is in yours. You are. My soul acts in yours. With your leader I go my way. I live with him. He is an image of my own being. You are. The leader's being within my soul finds you, encompassing spirit. Blessedness is mine from your being's breath. You are. Thursday evening for Friday, Venus. Great encompassing spirit, I live in your life with the life of the earth. In you I am. You are. I am in you. The leader has brought me to you. I live in you. Your spirit is my own being's image. You are. Spirit has found the encompassing spirit. Divine blessedness walks onward to new world creation. You are. I am. You are. Every day after the preceding meditations, great encompassing spirit, I raise my eye up from below. May it be capable of intuiting you, encompassing all. May my being's spirit be illuminated with your messenger's light. May my being's soul be kindled by the fiery flames of your servants. May the will of my eye grasp the force of your Creator word. You are. May your light stream into my spirit. May your life warm my soul. May your being penetrate my will, so that understanding may seize my eye for the burning of your light, for the warmth of your life, for the Creator word of your being. You are. Meditation, quote, in the spirit lay the germ of my body. Close quote. In the spirit lay the germ of my body. And the spirit has imprinted in my body the eyes of sense, that through them I may see the light of bodies. And the Spirit has imprinted in my body reason and sensation and feeling and will, that through them I may perceive bodies and act upon them. In the Spirit lay the germ of my body. In my body lies the germ of the Spirit, and I will incorporate into my spirit the super-sensuous eyes, that through them I may behold the light of spirits. And I will imprint in my spirit wisdom and power and love, so that through me the spirits may act, and I become the self-conscious organ of their deeds. 
In my body lies the germ of the spirit. Meditation, quote, I turn to things, close quote. I turn to things. I turn with my senses. Since being you deceive me. What flees existence as nothing is being and essence to you. May what must seem to you worth nothing reveal itself within me. Spirit light, warm me. Let me feel myself willing in you. What is well thought, cognized truth? How does the luminous I experience you? Weaving error, badly thought out, show yourself to the beacon of my soul that I may be weaving in myself. Luminous I and beacon soul, hover above true being of becoming. What is thought out, what cognized, condenses now to spirit being. And, like pearls of existence, there dwells in the sea of divine truth what deceives the sense's existence. Esoteric lesson given in Cologne on January 2nd, 1913. Record A. Before we begin our actual esoteric contemplations and studies, it must be said, especially for our friends from other countries, that we have to separate ourselves completely in our esoteric stream from that other stream that passes through the world and is represented by Mrs. Besant. We can, must, on the basis of truthfulness, separate ourselves from the deeds of another person and yet maintain our love for the person as before. Perhaps even because of it we can turn increased sympathy toward her precisely because we must reject her deeds. The words of Mrs. Besant from 1906 are read, wherein she asks of all those who love her that, should the day come when she would fall, precisely out of love for her no one should call white what is black. Esotericism is a dangerous path. And everyone should bear in mind that in the depths of the human soul forces can slumber that perhaps in ordinary life do not make themselves known. Yet when one enters upon the dangerous path, they come to light. For this reason it is necessary that we keep ourselves constantly awake in our own soul and be mindful of the word, quote, watch and pray, close quote. Those who want to enter into the spiritual worlds must, above all, practice strict self-knowledge. The Essene order, the exalted teachers of which taught the Nathan Jesus of the Luke Gospel, the extract of all the wisdom that precisely this being would need, had two especially important rules that can show us how far we are from the spiritual in our modern time. The first rule was, before sunrise and after sundown, no Essene shall speak of worldly things. And for those who had achieved a higher level, this rule was further enhanced, in that they were also not to occupy themselves with thoughts of worldly things during this time. A second instruction was, before the sun rises, every Essene shall ask that the sunrise will indeed take place, and that the power of the sun will shine over humanity everywhere. These rules give us tidings of the importance of our being's connection with the events of the spiritual world, out of which we emerge in the morning and into which we enter when we go to sleep in the evening. One can see in the way people behave today in relation to such an outer event as the translation from New Year's Eve, Sylvester, into the New Year, and what they undertake before going to sleep, how little we live with these laws of outer and inner cycles. 
What people do at those times appears to be oriented toward uniting themselves especially deeply with materiality, instead of using the transition moment as a time of looking back. This outer cycle corresponds to an inner one, waking and sleeping. In the evening, human beings draw their astral body and eye out of the physical body and etheric body and live with their astral body and eye in a purely spiritual world. Let us bring to mind the moment of going to sleep until unconsciousness gradually comes about. Ordinary human beings have no consciousness during the night in the spiritual world. It can be that a clairvoyant moment occurs and that they see an image of what they left lying down below. What they see will be different from person to person, according to the state of mind, the temperament and character of each individual. Those who sense life in the physical and etheric bodies, as if they are living in a house whose orientation is more toward outer life, will see the physical and etheric bodies as a house with a door through which they must enter. Human beings who experience the transience of earthly existence as a disposition of character rather than as a momentary mood will see the image of a coffin with a corpse lying in it. If human beings have already taken in something of the spiritual life, it may happen that the image of an angel appears, a light form that hands us a chalice. This image shows a symbol for the fact that our physical and etheric bodies were already prepared for us during the old Saturn and old Sun times and represents the ancient primeval word of humanity. From God we are born. E-D-N Readers aside, which stands for ex Deo Nasimur, and of readers aside. In place of what the Essenes practiced in the morning before sunrise, which is not possible today because we live in different times, modern esotericists should, when they dip down into their physical and etheric bodies in the morning, fill themselves with the sacred feeling that lofty gods have prepared our God-willed physical and etheric bodies over the long ages of the Saturn and Sun periods of evolution, in order that we might develop consciousness within them. In this consciousness, esotericists should ask the spiritual Sun, which the physical Sun represents, to allow them to receive the physical and etheric bodies every morning when human beings come back from the spiritual world, in order to develop consciousness in the physical world. For what would happen if someone were to take away our physical and etheric bodies in the night? The feeling of unconsciousness would then overwhelm us. If we penetrate ourselves properly with knowledge of the fact that the gods built our physical and etheric bodies for us, then we will have the experience that our brain, and we can have this experience with every part of our body, is not merely bound to our physical body, but rather that it can be expanded to a hollow sphere in which the stars are embedded. These stars take their course in this sphere, and our thoughts are these stars that take their course. The microcosm thus becomes the macrocosm. Compressed within our brain are the mighty forces of the whole cosmos, and we feel their connection with us. Everything that has led us through Saturn's sun and further through the line of heredity right up to our present birth is expressed with the saying, Ex Deo Nasimur. Just as we would remain unconscious if we could not enter into our physical and etheric bodies in the morning, so also is all conscious life blotted out by going through the portal of death. Before the mystery of Golgotha, human beings received consciousness through the store of power given by the gods to humanity on its path after death. Out of this God-given reserve of power, human beings 
could have consciousness in the spiritual world. But gradually this gift of the gods was used up, and the Greeks knew that it was their lot to live in the kingdom of the shades after death. This was the will of the gods. Consciousness was shadowy and dulled down. For this reason the greatest spirit among the Greeks said the words, quote, rather a beggar in the overworld than a king in the kingdom of shades, close quote. Through the mystery of Golgotha, a new substance was created that could give human beings consciousness when they were in the spiritual world after death. This substance flowed out of the mystery of Golgotha. Through immersing ourselves in this Christ substance, it is possible for us to develop consciousness in the spiritual world after death. For this reason, every evening when we go to sleep, and enter into the spiritual world, we should remember and fill ourselves with the feeling, in Christ we die. For only the Christ impulse can, through its death-conquering life force, keep us conscious in the spiritual world. Because nothing in the physical world is great enough or sacred enough to understand the sacred mystery that was given to humanity through Christ Jesus. Nothing belonging to the world. Not even the sound of speech should be used to indicate this mystery, this unfathomable secret that is contained in what flows out of the mystery of Golgotha. Therefore esotericists are silent in word and thought at that moment when the sacred name, the unspeakable, must be spoken. They feel deeply the sacredness of this moment. I dash 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 M. However, even if human beings have consciousness after death, they do not yet have self-consciousness. They do not have the consciousness with which they can recognize themselves as individual beings in the spiritual world. Nor can they find themselves with their brothers and sisters with whom they lived in the physical world. The only help for finding our being and for awakening in self-consciousness in the spiritual world is the experience of our higher I. This higher I was bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit, through whom we have the hope. In the Spirit we are resurrected. P.S.S.R. Readers aside, Per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus. End of Readers aside. Thereby you should think of all of those who are not here, perhaps due to suffering and pain, You will send them thoughts of strength if you practice in the correct manner what is prescribed for us by esotericism. It is the case in the spiritual world that we must make ourselves worthy to be allowed to use as a blessing for others or for ourselves what is given to us in esotericism. You should not conceive of such lessons intellectually or in a brain-bound manner. Rather, you should allow a feeling in your soul that tells you that the meaning and significance of such words as E-D-N, I-C-M, and P-S-S-R, which are given to us by the masters of wisdom and the harmony of feelings, cannot be completely exhausted by manifold contemplations and must be gone into ever more deeply. And thus even today, when you have grasped the primordial human prayer somewhat more deeply, you should still have the expectation that at a later time yet deeper revelations of it can and will be given. Quote, in the spirit lay the germ of my body, close quote. End of record A. Record B. On the esoteric path, untruthfulness, ambition, and so forth can cause the downfall of a human being. Larger communities or a whole esoteric stream can thus lose their way and get caught up in error. Because we know how easy it is for an individual to fall, we must also understand how larger groups stray from the path. Where this occurs, it would show only egotistical love if we were to follow someone loyally when we know that the person is going astray. Thus it would show egotistical love in relation to Mrs. Besant if we were to close our eyes to the fact 
that the direction she represents has to be designated as wrong and that its further propagation would bring harm. Mrs. Besant herself asked, when she wrote about Ledbetter's downfall, that one make her aware of and warn her should there ever be a threat of her own downfall. We are only doing our duty when we draw Mrs. Besant's attention to the threat. However, we must understand clearly that the direction itself which she represents is in error, and that from the moment we recognize this, the portal of our temple must remain closed to the followers of her esoteric direction. In the Essene community that existed before and during the mystery of Golgotha in Palestine, there were two definite rules that were given to the pupils of this community at different stages. The first rule, which applied to everyone, was the obligation not to busy oneself with worldly tasks after sundown and before sunrise, and even to refrain from worldly thoughts. This is a rule that cannot be followed today because we live in a different age. For the Essenes, this rule was the expression of the connection of each individual soul with the cosmos. People today have lost the proper sense for the great transitions. One has only to look at the way the transition from the old year into the new year is celebrated. In the time before going to bed, people today have the tendency to busy themselves with the most trivial things that for the most part embroil them in matter. What significance does it have for us when the human being is in the spiritual world between going to sleep and waking up? The ordinary person today is not conscious there. The best possible transition into the spiritual world for esotericists is a recollection of the saying ex deo nasimer etc. This replaces the first regulation of the Essenes. Should it happen that we experience moments of consciousness during sleep, we would each see a different picture according to our temperament. For instance, those who consider the body to be a house in which the human being lives will behold a picture of a house with a door through which they have to enter. Thus they see in advance the moment of their awaking. Those who have a melancholic tendency and feel in earthly existence more of the doomed-to-death aspect of the earthly forces will see a coffin with a corpse in it. And those who, because of their temperament, have a strong feeling that the gods have built their body for them will be able to behold an angel who hands them a chalice. All of these are just beginning preparatory visions of the life of imagination and can be expressed in the saying ex Deo Nasimur. The divine beings whom we summarize with the name Deus built up the human physical body during the Saturn and Sun evolutionary conditions. If we did not have this physical body into which we enter in the morning, we would not be able to become conscious on the physical plane. Imagine what would happen if the gods were to take away our physical body during the night. Imagine what would become of us, since we would then be unable to attain consciousness. This thought should bring us a sense of gratitude toward the gods. The Essene, at the higher stage of development, was given, in addition, the obligation to pray before sunrise. This prayer was that the sun would rise and ray out its blessings to the earth. This is also replaced today by another feeling. Just as we could not become conscious in the morning if our physical body had been taken from us in the night, so it is just as true that we cannot become conscious after death unless we also find a body across the threshold into which we can enter. In the time before Christ, souls were clothed after death with a spiritual substance in which they went through their experience between death and a new birth. This spiritual substance was gradually being exhausted, and humanity felt this tragedy as the mystery of Golgotha approached. 
for the human soul had become a shadow in the life after death. Among the Greeks, the lead civilization of that time, the feeling held sway, quote, better a beggar in the overworld than a king in the kingdom of shadows, close quote. However, from the cross streamed a new substance. The souls could clothe themselves with this new substance in order to develop consciousness after death. We can feel this in the second part of our saying, quote, in dash 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 mortimore, close quote. When we take this saying with us after death, it can bring about that everything of earthly nature soon falls away and that out of this Christ substance we can develop consciousness. Because our consciousness is not yet self-consciousness, we may still hope that to the consciousness we can develop in this body will be given complete knowledge, self-consciousness by the Holy Spirit, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. Through the self-knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives to us, we prepare ourselves for our life after death. Love, humility, and self-knowledge can be the result of a real understanding of this saying. Whoever properly meditates this saying will receive the strength to help those who are ill and to send loving thoughts to those who could not be here today because of their illness or other reasons. This should penetrate our outer life as a sacramental feeling. We thus receive a new view of this saying, and this view may awaken in us the trust that we will be able to penetrate this saying ever more deeply in the future. End of Record B Record C We find ourselves here at a significant moment, not only in an outer sense but also in an esoteric sense. When an esoteric movement arises in one place, something occurs in another place. Wisdom is only in the truth, and that is what we want to seek. Those esoteric directions that do not go along with ours must loosen and separate themselves from ours. Mrs. Besant's letter, which she wrote after Charles Ledbetter's downfall, was read. In it she asks approximately in these words, Judge has fallen, and Ledbetter has fallen. Should it lie in my karma that finally also I fall, I ask all who hold me dear not to support me in it. One should not declare black to be white, but rather confidently declare black to be black. What significance does an opinion have in one life? The masters will correct us in another life. May this be the rock upon which we build. Within the Essene school where Jesus of Nazareth was once instructed, there was a regulation that goes as follows. After the sun has set and before it rises, the pupil should not speak or think of worldly material things. That was a demand for that time. We will see later that this rule can no longer be followed by us and has transformed into a different one. The second rule was, before sunrise, Every Essene should send a prayer to the spirits who send forth the sun into the world that they might send the sun also on that day. No Essene was allowed to neglect this. Let us consider how few human beings today realize that when they go to sleep they enter into the spiritual world. This moment which should be something sacred to us is all too often profaned. Human beings connect themselves in the end mostly with all possible worldly material things. We modern esotericists, however, should always remain conscious of the sacredness of the time before going to sleep. And when we come back into our physical body, we should do so with the same feelings. We must ask ourselves how it would be if we no longer found our physical and etheric bodies upon awakening. Gratitude should pass through our soul when in the morning we again enter into the work of the gods, our physical body. If we have a moment of consciousness between going to sleep and awakening, we can sense this experience symbolically in various ways. We can see it reflected to us. Three examples. Number one, some see a house with an open door. That is our physical body, 
through which door we are to enter again. Number two, others, especially those who, in a melancholic mood, they do not need to have a melancholic temperament, see a coffin with a corpse in it. This is ourselves. It is our physical body. Number three, others see an angel who hands them a chalice. Thus we should sense the deep meaning of our core saying, Ex Deo Nasimur. This saying should be contemplated from various sides, and our understanding of it should be deepened. With this saying we should express our gratitude to the gods who have built up our physical body and whom we summarize with the term Deus. Instead of actively turning away from worldly things as the Essenes did, we replace this gesture with complete silence. We do not speak the name of the highest in blank moremor. We express our gratitude for being able to find ourselves again, that we proceed from consciousness to self-consciousness with the saying perspiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of record C, record D. Watch and pray. If we wish to enter into the light-filled halls of the supersensible worlds, we must learn self-knowledge. For this we can receive direction from two sayings of the Essene order. These sayings also influenced the development of one of Jesus' boys, the one from Nazareth of the Luke Gospel. The first saying was, Before the sun has risen and after it has set, you shall not occupy yourself with worldly thoughts or activities. The second saying was, Before the sun rises, you should pray and ask that this rising come about, so that the sun's force of day should unfold over you and over humanity. Through these sayings we should become aware of how significantly our being is connected with the spiritual world, out of which we emerge when we awaken in the morning and into which we enter again when we go to sleep. How little consciousness human beings have today of such outer and inner cycles is shown by their behavior at the turn of the year on New Year's Eve, and also by what they do before going to sleep at night, when it appears that in all they do they seem determined to fix themselves to the physical body and in the world of physical phenomena. Developing esotericists should, with sacred feeling, be conscious of the fact that their eye and astral body leave the physical and etheric bodies and live in the suprasensible world until the time of waking up. To begin with, they bring back no conscious memory of this experience, but, gradually, certain pictures arise that can fill them with the right feelings in relation to their physical and etheric bodies which they find upon awakening in the morning. These pictures will vary according to the individual's temperament and disposition of character. Thus some, with their energetic eye, focused more on the outer human being, will have the picture of a house with a door through which they must enter upon awakening. The house is to be seen as the symbol of the physical body. Those who are melancholic, not in the sense of a disposition of character, but rather as a mood of the moment, will perhaps see the picture of a coffin in which they themselves are lying as a corpse. This comes when a human being is often influenced by thoughts of the transitory nature of the physical. Or it shows itself to spiritual sight as a light form offering a chalice. This is to a certain extent a symbol indicating that the higher powers now hand us again, as a gift of grace, our conscious life in the physical body. This thought can greatly deepen the first verse of the ancient wisdom saying, the Rosicrucian saying, E-D-N. When esotericists awaken in the morning and see their physical and etheric bodies before them, they should fill themselves with the sacred feeling, exalted gods, have in the immense cosmic spaces and in the eternal cycles of time built up the God-willed physical and etheric bodies during the Saturn and Sun stages of evolution. This was done so that these bodies might become a dwelling place 
for the spirit of the human being. With this sacred feeling, the esotericists will ask the gods to let them have, maintain, and protect this physical body, without which they would not be able to lead a conscious life. And the esotericists can further imagine that their brain is not isolated and bound only to the physical body, but rather that because the brain's forces originate from out of the cosmos, it extends like a half-globe or half-sphere into the cosmos. Thoughts, as cosmic forces, are written like stars onto this half-sphere and thereby illuminate the physical body. Now, imagine that we do not find the physical body in existence anymore. In this case, we would be overwhelmed by the feeling that if we were to pass through the portal of death, all conscious life would be obliterated. Had there not already been a certain cosmic substance before the mystery of Golgotha, life after death would have been dull, shadow-like, and unconscious. That is what the writer of the Greek tragedies meant when he had their greatest hero say, quote, better a beggar in the overworld than a king in the realm of the shades, close quote. However, through Christ's sacrifice on Golgotha, a new substance was created into which human beings can immerse themselves in order also to shape their life after death into a conscious state. For this reason, esotericists should, before going to sleep, fill themselves with this thought and feeling, I see M. This means that only through the Christ impulse can we receive what streams out from the great mystery of Golgotha. For this reason, we esotericists do not speak the sacred word that expresses the, quote, name of the inexpressible, unspeakable, close quote. Even if human beings have consciousness after death, they do not yet have self-consciousness, through which they can recognize themselves and again find their brothers and sisters with whom they were connected in the physical world. In this one can be helped only by the higher eye. The Holy Spirit helps one to come to the higher eye, which carries the individual through the portal of death to self-consciousness the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Cologne on January 4th, 1913. Record A. When speaking of the esoteric circumstances in which we live, it is often said that our Western movement or stream has separated from the Eastern one. However, that is, especially at this time, quite incorrect. It has been the case for a long time already that it is not a matter of Western or Eastern, but rather of truth or untruth. As long as it was still a matter of the differences about suprasensible questions, one could absolutely say, quote, that is something which I cannot judge, Close quote. One could still speak about two directions. Now, however, the differences have descended to the physical plane, it now has nothing more to do with Western or Eastern esotericism. People today like to have physical documents in order to judge these things. They now have them. Everyone can, through the material documents, be convinced that what Mrs. Besant said in 1909 is a contradiction of what she maintained in 1912. It is a question, however, as to whether the world will indeed recognize what she otherwise swears by. When it goes so far that a general secretary, the English secretary, writes that Mrs. Besant must have forgotten her letter of 1909, then things are quite bad. When we designate the other stream, that esoteric stream of Mrs. Besant, as the Eastern, we insult the true Eastern esotericism and philosophy. At the beginning of the Theosophical movement, when there were still true Eastern impulses in the Theosophical society, H. P. Blavatsky, for instance, still had the correct idea of what an avatar is. 
Mrs. Besant never had the correct idea about it, and so it is no wonder that she understood nothing about the Christ. It was a matter only of enforcing personal wishes and opinions. It would be disastrous for the world if what Ledbetter holds as truth were to spread through the whole world. It often happens that esotericists, after years of practicing, have the feeling that they have not progressed at all. However, this can only be the result of inattentiveness. Some people may try to meditate in order to let peace enter into the soul, but thoughts buzz around from all sides and do not let anything spiritual announce itself. It is a good sign, however, when we feel these thoughts buzzing around, because then we sense them in their reality. This is progress over the condition of not noticing them. Let us assume that after having meditated in this manner, we go back to performing our daily activities. It can happen that we sense, I was getting dressed, but was not present in my thinking. Something was thinking into me. This feeling receives its full power and significance when we transform it into the mantric formulation, It thinks me. Concerning this, we may not object that it is always said that we should not ascribe any worth to what goes on unconsciously within the human being, since we are making conscious precisely what goes on within us. We bring it into our consciousness and thereby incorporate it into our I. Esoterically, it thinks me is the same as the exoteric expression, quote, within your thinking cosmic thoughts live, close quote. It is an important aid for esoteric life to fill oneself as often as possible with this thought. This thought should always be imbued with a feeling of devotion. Only then does it work in the right way. And even if we do not notice that cosmic powers think into us, they do so just the same. For our eye is of the same nature as the cosmic powers that think into the human being. And the content of our meditation is taken from the cosmic thoughts themselves. We include in this it thinks me all the forces and beings that worked upon us during the Saturn sun and moon stages of evolution. The feeling expressed in this saying, it weaves me, summarizes our feeling of how the higher hierarchies work upon us when we strive to develop ourselves through our spiritual exercises. This saying, in turn, corresponds to the saying, quote, within your feeling cosmic forces weave, close quote. Cosmic forces weave in our higher eye and gratitude toward the spiritual beings should come with the thought, it weaves me. Then human beings can look at themselves and perceive their karmic relationship to their surroundings. We progress in esoteric life only when we regard, practically and not theoretically, everything that happens to us as karmic consequence, even if the circumstances are often hidden or not so straightforward. To imbue ourselves with this idea gives us the necessary humility that we need in the face of the view expressed in the mystery drama titled The Soul's Probation, that the human being is the result of the working together of all the gods. Everything in the world makes its way toward the human being. This is expressed exoterically in the words, quote, within your will, Cosmic beings work. Close quote. It is expressed esoterically in the mantra, It works me. Reverence must come over human beings when they deepen themselves in this thought. These three thoughts with their corresponding feelings, It thinks me with devotion, It weaves me with gratitude, and It works me with reverence formed together with what we have said about our Rosicrucian saying, 
a powerful aid for esoteric development. A similar organic connection exists between these mantras and their respective feelings, as exists between the air we breathe in and our blood, which is purified by the influx of the air. We can take into our soul yet another thought, how human beings live together through their karma. In pre-Christian times, the spiritual beings brought those together into the same tribe and family who had to endure or work out something karmically with each other. Through blood relationship, the circumstance was created in which personal karma could play itself out. This process changed after the coming of Christ. The forces that allowed human beings to work out their karma in such a simple way through blood relationships were gradually exhausted. The Apostle Paul speaks of the first Adam from whom human beings have descended physically. For Paul, Christ is the second Adam from whom human beings in the future must derive their soul just as they had received their physical body from the first Adam. At the time of the mystery of Golgotha, human souls were about to die. The Greeks knew this, and it is tragically expressed also in the book of Job, when Job's wife tells him, quote, Renounce God and die. Close quote. Outside of the direct connection with God, there was only death for souls. Paul also knew this, though he could not express it in this way at that time. Had the Christ impulse not come, all human souls would have died. Human bodies would have still wandered around on earth, but their souls would have lived as automata within them. Human beings would have become like animals, though maintaining physical human form. Those today who have not yet taken the Christ impulse into themselves are drawing on the last remnants of the old soul forces. When human beings find a relationship to the Christ, their soul life is saved and permeated with new forces. How can one achieve a relationship to the Christ impulse? We can achieve it only by receiving what has been given in order to lead us into an ever deeper knowledge of the Christ impulse. Christ said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. This means that when two people who have a personal karmic relation with one another achieve a relationship into which the Christ can work, Christ will reconcile their personal karma. This requires a trust that lifts everything personal to a higher level. In this way, Christ will work evermore within our exoteric relationships. Therefore, we again bring to new light the saying, From God we are born, in Christ we die. Through the Holy Spirit we come to life again. End of Record A. Record B. Whenever we think that we do not see any results from our exercises, it is mostly because we are not attentive enough. It can happen, however, that we do not notice anything immediately after doing the exercises, but later that day we notice that we are doing our ordinary tasks automatically, and for a moment we notice thoughts that we ourselves did not think. In that moment, something thinks in us, We then realize that great cosmic thoughts are thinking in us and that our I must be of the same nature as the cosmic thoughts because our I is taken hold of by these cosmic thoughts and thinks without having any I experience thereby. We can therefore feel ourselves blessed by the spiritual worlds. It is through grace that the high cosmic powers think us in this way and that we can feel it thinks me and can thereby have a strong heartfelt feeling of devoutness. And then we can further think how our soul life is gradually woven through and through by the powers that built us up during the Saturn, Sun and Moon periods of evolution. We feel as if this weaving of the cosmic powers was not just in our thoughts but in our whole being. 
we can feel it weaves me. We are what is woven. The cosmic powers have woven and formed us through long planetary stages, and we then feel immense gratitude. And then we can think a third thought. It works me. We sense how all the great spiritual beings work together to bring about the human being, and how the goal of evolution is the human ideal of the God-willed, perfected human being. Then let us think about what we have made of ourselves, our personal karma, and look at how small and how far this is from the high cosmic ideal of the human being. Then we must feel respect, deep respect and reverence, toward the high beings in It Works Me. And just as there is an organic interrelation between the air we inhale and our blood, which is cleaned by the influx of the air, so must there also be an organic interrelation between the sayings It Thinks Me, It Weaves Me, and It Works Me, and the feelings that belong to them devotion, gratitude, and respect and reverence. How is it with regard to personal karma? Our earthly development cannot achieve its fullest aim if personal karma is not reconciled. In the past, karma was balanced out differently from how it is today. Formerly, those who had specific personal karma with each other were born into the same race, tribe, and so on and the powers that were connected with the blood took care of the working out of karma. The forces that were effective from the time of Adam dried up around the time of the mystery of Golgotha. After the mystery of Golgotha, karma had to be reconciled in a different way. At the beginning of evolution, everything came about through one spirit. Afterward, differentiation came about, and through this, personality, personal karma, and so on. Now regarding the soul life, Christ must become our second progenitor, just as in regard to the flesh and all that concerns the blood, Adam is our progenitor. Had the Christ impulse not come, the soul which was no longer bound to and maintained by the then dying forces that were connected with the blood would have become ever smaller and poorer. Humanity would have become ever more similar to the animal without an independent inner soul life. The mystery of Golgotha saved the human soul life and nourished, strengthened, and built it up anew. Now human beings can find a relationship to Christ. Christ has said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. What does that mean? It means that two people who have a specific karmic relationship with one another can achieve a higher relationship into which Christ can work. This relationship is based on the trust that Christ himself is the power that will reconcile the karma. Personal karma does not preside in this case, but the Christ power in the soul working between them. Christ himself guides the working out of karma, Thus, karma, insofar as it is necessary, is reconciled. However, the leading force within this is the Christ himself, so that the relationship has become such that Christ can work within it. This means to be purified in Christ's name. In this way, Christ will be able to work more and more in everything that concerns our life. The end of Record B. Record C. First, we were cautioned about our choice of expressions, especially as it concerns how we speak about Rudolf Steiner. We should avoid the term master so that we do not awaken the hatred and jealousy of our opponents. Opinions have not changed, but only the manner and methods of the battle have changed today. Formerly, people were accused of being heretics and were burned at the stake or other methods were used to destroy them. Now people just use ridicule or make others seem suspect, and so therefore ineffective. There is not an eastern esoteric stream and a western esoteric stream, 
but only a truthful, real esotericism, and something else that merely calls itself a true esotericism. The latter would be an insult to true Eastern esotericism. Something that follows personal purposes may not be called esotericism. In our movement we wish to avoid all that is personal, and for this reason we want to make a strict separation and settlement between us and what has come out of Adyar, India, and from Mrs. Basant since 1906. We want a strict separation between what Mr. Ledbetter wants the world to believe and what is given here in the strictest truth and with full responsibility. Esotericists complain often that they do not make any progress and that when they want to meditate, thoughts buzz around them like bees and prevent them from meditating. Be happy that the thoughts come like that. They want to show you that they are a power and are stronger than you are. It can seem that one meditates diligently for years to let the inner stillness enter in afterward, yet nothing, absolutely nothing, pours itself into the soul from the spiritual world. This only appears to be so. For attentiveness is necessary to notice the fine, subtle steps of the soul, since it has to do with a quite intimate process. Then you notice something as you go about doing your daily tasks, that you have been doing things mechanically, as if you were spiritually absent, and yet it is not so. For in spiritual life it is not only a matter of remaining conscious during the experience, but of remembering what we experienced. To remember means to bring something up into consciousness. The meditants can now have the feeling that something pours itself into them, and they can sense that it is of the same nature as human thought itself, and, yes, as the I itself. Three important mantras are now given. These are to be used in the following way. It thinks me. It is actually not I who thinks, but rather it thinks in me. The three sentences or mantras are expressed exoterically entitled The Soul's Probation. Quote, Within your thinking, cosmic thoughts live. Within your feeling, cosmic forces weave. Within your willing, cosmic beings work. Close quote. They are expressed esoterically with the following. E-D-N I-C-M-P-S-S-R The mantra, it thinks me, must be imbued with a feeling of devotion. It weaves me, expresses the true nature of the human being. It expresses what the true nature of the human being really is and what we ourselves are in relation to it. This mantra should stimulate self-knowledge. It should give rise to a feeling of being integrated into the whole of the life of the world and should express itself in gratitude. It works me. The entire cosmos, everything, is to be seen in light of the human being as the goal. This mantra should give rise to a feeling of reverence, devotion and dedication. We must learn humility and modesty when we see ourselves in our imperfection and incompleteness in relation to the goal that the gods have set for the human being. E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R This is the fourth saying that you will need. It is the primordial prayer of humanity. Wherever we are, whether we are walking or standing, out on the street or at home, when we let these words the three mantras and the primordial prayer of humanity, rise up in our soul. They can help us progress in our esoteric life. However, the soul must silence these words in itself if it cannot think them in a sacred manner. This means that we must forbid these words from rising up in our soul if they are not accompanied by the corresponding feeling. The mystery of Golgotha changed the dying process of souls. As the physical body stems from Adam, so the soul stems from Christ. The substance of souls had gradually exhausted itself. Had the mystery of Golgotha not taken place, a time would have come 
when physical bodies would have existed on earth only as soulless automatons. The reconciling or balancing of karma will come about in the future in such a way that Christ's words, where two or three are together in my name, there I am in their midst, comes true. Souls die. But the karma or destiny that humanity has built together remains in existence. Humanity has proceeded out of a kind of group soul nature and has differentiated and individualized. Because of this, relationships formed between individual human beings Formerly, karmic reconciliation was brought about through the divine spiritual beings who made sure that those who had karma to work out together would be born into the same tribe. This is no longer the case. Now Christ's words come true. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Christ is the Lord of karma. All souls stem from Christ. A time will come when this will become known, and it will therefore be understood that reconciliation among human souls can take place only through Christ. The end of Record C. This is Record D, an extract. How is an esoteric stream like ours actually possible? In the primordial beginning there existed a soul substance that divided itself into the manifold, differentiated, individual human souls. Through this differentiation, karma arose, which consists in the soul connections from human being to human being. Before the event in Palestine, these karmic relations were bound up within blood relationships. They were bound to the blood. However, by the time of the mystery of Golgotha, this soul substance had gradually dried up. If the mystery of Golgotha had not occurred, human beings would have come to wandering soullessly upon the earth at the end of earthly evolution. They would have fallen into an animal nature within human physical bodies that would have been a caricature of animal bodies. The eye, the eye does not die karma is bound to it until the end, would become empty and soulless had the mystery of Golgotha not taken place. Christ is the sole spiritual progenitor of modern humanity, just as Adam is the progenitor regarding the physical body. Only by filling ourselves with the Christ substance, the Christ impulse, do we avoid soullessness. We fill ourselves with the Christ substance when we take in the knowledge and findings concerning the mystery of Golgotha and allow this to live within us, then our lives and our relationships with one another will become ever more spiritual. That is the end of that esoteric lesson. I am on page 42, and that is the end of the first section of this reading.